I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm going to blow my nose. And I kick it to all the people who can quest like a tribe does. Before this, did you really know what I was? Welcome back to the, to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Monday morning. It is March 20th. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is in the books, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. But before we do that, let me introduce ourselves. I'm your co-host, Jared Mintz, and joining me today and every other day that I get to record this podcast, as he reminded me last week, is Joseph Nardone. Joe, how was your weekend, buddy? It was tremendous. It was probably the best weekend ever. You can ask anybody, Jared, about my weekend. And you know what they tell you? What would they tell me? That was the best weekend ever. How many people could I really ask about your weekend that would be able to tell me anything about it? Um, probably not even the people that live with me because I was kind of holed up in a room watching NCAA tournament games. But I think that alone kind of proves my point. It sure does. I mean, that sounds like a great weekend. I, too, was... <laughs> uh, Locked down in a room watching college basketball, which felt great. Uh, a lot of fun games, man. A lot of fun games. A lot of surprising results, I suppose. Are you ready to get into it, Joe? Let's do it. All right. Well, obviously, the, <laughs> the, the, two biggest, the, the two biggest things to happen this weekend were Villanova, number one seed, and defending champion being knocked out of the tournament in the, their second game. And Duke, obviously, getting knocked out last night by South Carolina. Joe, these two events, which was more surprising to you? Uh, Villanova, they're the better team. I know I was saying last week that Duke had the easier road. They did. But Duke is a flawed team. They have no depth. I think it, one of the things that I've harped on early in the season, which was that if Luke Kennard can't get going, they're not going to win games. Luke Kennard got in foul trouble yesterday. They couldn't win the game. So uh, I don't think that was all that shocking, that a team that's as flawed, that relies heavily on just three guys, if one of their guys is off, they're going to lose to a pretty solid South Carolina team. Villanova losing to Wisconsin, and Wisconsin like pretty much limped their way through the end of the regular season, was was pretty stunning, especially considering the fact it was solo scoring. Nova couldn't get the ball going. Um, they're a three-point heavy shooting team. They really couldn't get going there. I think this is where you could make excuses for the Villanova, as you could with Duke, with injuries, no Phil Booth. They lost Spellman before the season, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, I think right now where you're looking at it as that whole East region is kind of a debacle because the one and two seeds both fell, and now we're left with, I don't really actually know how good any of these teams are. <laughs> you know, like Wisconsin, Florida, Baylor, South Carolina. South Carolina is going to be everybody's hot pick now because they look great against Duke. But Baylor has been more consistent all year, and Florida is from, also from the SEC, like South Carolina. And I don't trust SEC schools, even though there's a ton of them left. How crazy is it that one of those four teams, one of Wisconsin, Florida, Baylor, and South Carolina, are going to be in the Final Four? Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, the Baylor thing, like Jonathan Motley's great, and South Carolina Thornwell's tremendous. And Wisconsin, if you, if you only go, like, it's weird because Wisconsin, we did this with Duke, right? The preseason expectations, eventually they'll figure it out because they were number one overall seed. Wisconsin, before the season, was everybody's, not everybody's, but a lot of people's pick to be a Final Four team. He's Nigel Hayes, Ethan Happ. Bronson Kronig, I cannot never pronounce his last name. Kroenig. Kroenig. I think it's K- Kaning. I can never pronounce his last name. He's a bigger dude than I realized, but um, and he's good. But um, if he's clutch as hell, right? But um, if we just use the preseason expectations, Wisconsin's supposed to be here. Um, they just overperformed a lot this year. They especially at the end of the season. But they have three dudes, and a lot of people don't have three dudes. So like, ugh, it's weird to say, but Wisconsin's probably the best team out of the. <laughs> That that group remaining, and they're the lowest seed. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. I don't know who the best team is. I mean, you look at their performance to this point, 
South Carolina kind of had some home cooking going for them these last couple games playing in South Carolina. Uh, but, I mean, they just they physically intimidated Duke. It was pretty clear to see that last night. And Duke just never responded. They looked shaky the whole game. First half, I think they had 14 turnovers or something. Mm-hmm. And they just they never got their footing. It, it almost looked like they were playing on ice skates. They were outrunning every, everybody on defense. They couldn't stay in front of their guys. They didn't have good possessions on offense. The ball wasn't moving whole lot of ISO. Luke Kennard probably had his worst game of the season, and you could feasibly say the same for Jason Tatum. It just it was a really poor performance out of Duke, and I don't say that to take anything away from South Carolina. They just they too struggled to score the ball in the first half, and I mean Duke was even up ten points in that game at one point, and they just they couldn't keep it together, and they didn't get good possessions late in the game. Uh, I mean it kind of had the feel like. This is a game that, that's going to come down to the wire, except it didn't because Duke just couldn't buy a basket in the second half. And South Carolina pretty much dominated them mm-hmm. in that stretch. But to the, the Villanova-Wisconsin game, I mean, that too, you talk about composure. And Wisconsin just kept hitting big shot after big shot. And even though Nova, you know, they, they had it going with Hart and Brunson kind of getting to the basket, it was disappointing that they weren't moving the ball more. It was, it was all isolation. It was all just drive to the basket and hopefully draw a foul. I was really surprised by these two teams just not looking more composed down the stretch in these games that should have been winnable games for them. Duke gave up 65 points in the second half, and I'm almost positive. I'd have to keep going back, but I went back like 25 years. It's the most a Coach K team at Duke has given up in any half ever. Wow. So, yeah, I think that's – people aren't going to want to talk about the depth because they're going to say, like, oh, there was a little bit of break, and they did the ACC tournament run, and they didn't have a break there. I think that's a depth issue because when Kennard had the foul trouble, I think it kind of showed. And I think what also was really highlighted is the fact that Grayson Allen's not a point guard. Right. So that point guard that, – that whole – and it's not, it's not his fault, right? Like, he's trying to play point guard because that's what they need him to do, and he's also trying to, like, show to the next level that he can play point guard. He clearly can't. And this is something we've touched on in other episodes is – he can't guard other teams' point guards because they're just too explosive. But then offensively, he has trouble creating space for himself. I know he played pretty well in the first half, but that wasn't him creating space. And then I just don't think it's that surprising that Duke lost. Like, I I don't. Like, I think they were a very flawed team. I think it's more shocking that Villanova lost. Um, I know we're gonna fire, people are going to fire up the jokes about the Big East and Villanova losing early because Jay Wright historically isn't the greatest NCAA tournament coach ever, but... Villanova was measurably better than Duke all season long, so that's yeah. I I I agree. I actually had Villanova over Duke in the Elite Eight. I mean, I again, I like you just mentioned. Villanova has a history of kind of going out early, but I kind of felt like last year's team and having so much of last year's team back this year kind of would debunk that and help them get back to you know the Final Four again. I just this Villanova team was one of the more complete teams in the country all season long. You mentioned that they did deal with adversity, but. I, I agree with you. I'm more surprised that Nova went out here than Duke. Uh, in the same token, I mean, yeah, you mentioned South Carolina's incredible second half last night. I just think Wisconsin's kind of one of these teams that's getting hot at the right time. I mean, e- Webb was on was on the. I'm sorry, Hap Hap was on the bench. I don't know why I called him Webb. Hap was on the <laughs> bench for like the majority of the first half. He was hurt or not hurt. He was injured. I don't know what I'm talking about. Clearly, drunk. Uh, Right, and they were they were still able to really stay in that game, and and when they had him on the court, they, he gave them such a difference in that game. Just being a big man with skills, you know, a skill set that he has, I'm a little scared for this Wisconsin team moving forward. They they look pretty good to make a run right now. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I said before, uh, they have. 
I don't know if they have the best three in the NCAA tournament. They have as good as three, uh, top three guys on the team as anybody else. And they just, for whatever reason, the season never really clicked the way we everybody thought they would. And Ethan Happ, oddly enough, you talked about him, is a huge part of it because Nigel Hayes has kind of morphed into this role as a super-duper great glorified role player. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So they need Ethan Happ and, and Kron- what is this? how do you pronounce his last Koenig. 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 To uh, be the dudes. And Koenig, this is kind of what his deal is, right? Like he's just that clutch dude who's not a great pro prospect, but he's just really good at college basketball. And I think it's going to be enough to get them to the Final Four. Yeah, I think looking at their upcoming schedule, I, I don't want to say they'll get to the Final Four, but I think that they have, you know, they have as good of a chance as any of these other three teams in their in their region to do it. Um, and I, 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 have no, like, I have no idea how good Florida actually is. I don't. That's kind of like where I'm penciling it in is where I'm just still, despite 37 games of evidence or whatever it is, I have no idea how good or bad Florida actually is. Yeah, I, I'm actually with you on that. I was really surprised. Their outcome was one of the more surprising outcomes of the weekend for me. Oh, Virginia's offense, my God. Well, I mean, not not in that respect, but I didn't expect them to trounce them like that. Man, Tony Bennett's a really good coach, but he's got to figure. Like, I, I'm writing up. I was writing about it before we record it. I didn't finish it yet, but uh, Tony Bennett at Virginia has a feel of John Thompson third at Georgetown, where eventually, like the t- nation's top recruits are going to look at the offense and be like, "Nah, man, that's not going to help me do what I want to do." So, I think he's got to start opening it up more because he has guys on that roster that could score. Prentice, Kyle Guy is a prolific scorer. And they scored 39 points. I mean, that's, like, super epically bad. You should be able to accidentally score 55. Yeah, yeah, not not great. I mean, again, Duke just couldn't get the offense going at all last night, and they, they score 81 points in that game. And just, yeah, offense wins games, I suppose, so, something like that. And at the college level, right? Like, I know it's a lot easier to be a good defensive team, and that's the way you're going to strategize it. But, like, if you're coaching at Virginia and you're Tony Bennett and you get, like, four and five-star prospects – you need to open up the offense. If you're coaching Vermont, I get it that you're going to be defensively orientated, not when you're coaching Virginia. Right, I agree. All right, Joe, we, we just talked about Duke and Nova. Should we be including the Louisville loss with, with those two losses, or was this one a little bit more uh, believable for you? <sighs> the Louisville loss, that hurt my soul because I really like Donovan Mitchell. And that, that team was, man... Michigan's, I don't want to do the whole team of destiny thing, but like a plane crash couldn't stop those guys. So, and I think they're kind of, they're, they're one of those teams that like apparently everybody from the Big Ten is just clicking at the right time. And I don't know. Just like we predicted. Did we predict this? No, we didn't, Joe. We've been killing the Big Ten all year long. Oh, okay. Well, listen, man, I'm not going to use a single game elimination tournament until right off an entire season. <laughs> They've been Oklahoma State, which isn't a great team, and they beat Louisville, which is a good team. So it's shocking, but I mean, Louis, or Michigan's been on like just an incredible, incredible run. So maybe it isn't that shocking, but um, it's kind of disheartening that we didn't get the Oregon-Louisville matchup, because I was looking forward to all those super incredible athletes playing against each other. And now Michigan, Michigan's good, but they play a lot of hero ball, which has worked out for them, obviously. Yeah. But they're... I thought this against Louisville, so like I'm probably wrong, but I don't think they match up well against Oregon's athletes, so it'll be interesting to see. But, man, Louisville, Donovan Mitchell, I'm so disappointed. Louis, Donovan Mitchell is so, so good, and he's not going to be drafted until after the lottery's over, and it's kind of insane to think that. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, he, he was pretty good on uh, 
Well, did they lose yesterday? I, yes. I'm all messed up. Yeah. He, he was pretty good on Sunday. I just I wonder if people kind of <laughs> expected this with Michigan being as hot as they've been. You mentioned the whole team of destiny thing. It, it kind of just feels like we're not reacting as surprised at Louisville losing as we are at, you know, Duke and obviously Villanova losing. Well, Villanova defending champs and Duke's Duke. So, like, every time Duke loses, I think the Louisville deal is just they ran into a buzzsaw and people kind of just get it. Do you know right. what I mean? They, they're yeah, just no, like, that, that's how I feel about it, too. And, uh, like, more surprising, I, th- I think, is the Florida State loss to Xavier. Because Xavier's without Edmund Summer, and Xavier literally limped. They, they lost, they only won six of 14 after, or whatever, six of eight or whatever. I forget what the number is. They weren't very good at the end of the se- regular season no. without Edmund Summer. And they, uh, they smoked them. They just they smoked them. They destroyed Florida. Yeah, that so, game was in Florida, too, which is surprising. Yeah, so I think that, that was probably the other more surprising, like the third most surprising thing from the weekend. For sure. Uh, what else stuck out to you this weekend? I know we've kind of spoken about a lot. Wichita of State. Um, I, I mean, it's kind of cliche to say at this point, but Avi and Calipari touched on it right after the game that they were misseeded, and I think that was pretty clear as day. They shouldn't have been a 10 seed. Yep. Um, they stood, stood toe-to-toe with Kentucky. I like what Calipari said after the game, too. Like After giving the Greg Marshall, great team, all that stuff, he's like, yeah, we do all the small things, too. We hustle. <laughs> we blocks up like these people always say like like because Wichita State's a smaller school and they always you know the the lazy thing to do is just be like oh smaller school so they they're more fundamentally sound right. and if you watch that game Calipari made some pretty good adjustments in that game because the game was clearly going in that like hey it's going to be ugly you know what I mean type of thing so yeah like he let Malink Monk and Darren Fox and those guys kind of out athlete here and there and just create on their own but they boxed out a lot they jumped on the floor a lot they out rebounded a lot. I thought it was kind of funny, and I like Kyle Park through that shot. But Wichita State's really good. Also, worth noting two things with Wichita State. One, the uh, rumors to them going to the American Athletic Conference are picking up steam again. Our John Rossine reported that in December. Then Pete Thamel, I believe, from Sports Illustrated discussed it on Friday. And Greg Marshall, now that the season's over, Indiana's – we're going to talk about this later. But Indiana's targeting Steve Alford, supposedly – if they're interested in Greg Marshall, I made the point yesterday on Twitter, Twitter, if the Koch brothers want him to stay, there's not a team in the country that can outbid Wichita State, if the Koch, brother, Koch brothers want him to stay. Yeah, this this is true. This is true. Good observations on that Wichita-Kentucky game. Uh, I was really disappointed. That By Wichita the way, State. Frankenkamp from Wichita State, how does he not get the Periel's treatment? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, a dinosaur, I suppose. He is, he is, he's balding. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's not make fun of the... Uh, oh, we, do, every, we can do it with Perry Ellis. We can do it with Perry Ellis every year, but poor Frankencamp, we can't do it? Well, it's Kansas, and it's Perry Ellis. Honestly, I mean, somebody photoshopped that picture of Perry Ellis on, like, the 80s teams, and I believed it. I was like, oh, my God, was his dad <laughs> on that team? Like, it's it was a little bit more believable, but I hear what you're saying. My disappointment with yesterday's game just came to Wichita State not being able to get up final shots at the end of the game there. And I know Kentucky was really swarming them defensively. I just know how, I don't know how you're not getting a shot up at the end of the game. Like, they just, they couldn't get a good look. Yes, I'm, I'm crediting Kentucky's defense there, but uh, I, I wanted that game to go to overtime so badly. I th- it's so much fun. I, w- I, I wish Wichita State was a better seed or, like, had a more favorable matchup going into the second round, but... It is what it is, and we got a really good game out of it, and I thought it was fun, a nice early afternoon game for us East Coasters and then people eating brunch on the West Coast. So I think it works yeah. out well, and 
um, I always like I don't get too upset with the missed seedings because if you're going to make the final four, you have to beat a few horses along the way, regardless. So now we get Kentucky, UCLA in the in the Sweet Sixteen, and that's going to be tremendous. That is going to be tremendous. Did you have any thoughts from that UCLA Cincinnati game? Because Cincinnati kept it close for a really long time. Yeah, well, I went to bed with like twelve minutes to go, and then I watched the rest of it this morning when I was getting my kids ready to go. Um, their their defense is still suspect. I know they held Cincinnati under seventy, but man, they might have the most talent of a seven-man rotation left in the country because they have Holiday coming off the bench, and he's a pro. TJ Leaf's a pro. LeVar Ball's a pro. Bryce Alford has become... LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball is a dad. I just said Ball. I didn't even say a first name. You said LeVar Ball. Said You're LeVar drunk. Ball. I said Ann Ball. All right, all right. And Watch Bryce Alford has kind of rewritten his legacy at UCLA. People in the beginning, I think we all kind of were like, yep, that's... Uh, that's nepotism in the works, but he's become a really nice player. So He's the right player for this team, too. I mean, I could never buy UCLA prior to this year because it's like, well, they're relying way too much on Coach's kid, and he's not that good of a player. When you have him just running off screens and catching and shooting, and that's all he's doing on this team where, where the ball moves and you have four other guys that could score, I think he is perfect on this team. So do I. Well, because now he's not, like, the one yeah. or two or the three. Yeah, he's, like, the four or the five or the six. Like, even... Though he starts, Holiday's their their better one guard, and yep. I think they use him in the spots. Be like, hey, super athletic Holiday, go out there and spurts and just kill people, which he does. And I think that's that's going to show. I think Kentucky's the interesting thing here in that matchup is going to be the fact that neither of them are going to be able to out athlete each other. So yep. I think it's going to come down to Calipari, and I'll, and I hate to do this because it takes away from the players, but it's going to come down to Calipari and Alfred's coaching acumen. And I think we're going to find out that John Calipari is still a really, really good in-game coach. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think we saw a little bit of that on Sunday as well. I'm looking forward to seeing the Kentucky backcourt, you know, really try to go after Lonzo Ball. Malik uh, Monk is turning – well, he's been for a while, but he's been turning into one of my favorite guards, like, in college basketball in, like, the recent years. He's a lot of fun to watch. I actually – I've been starting to enjoy watching Fox a little bit more lately. I mean, I was, I was on Monk really early in the season. I kind of didn't understand the Fox hype. The longer the season gets, the the more I get it and the more into him I am. I thought he was awesome yesterday too. He I mean, was. It's just he they're they're a fun team to watch and I again I, I look forward there's a lot of draft implications on the line here. There's gonna be a lot of eyes on these teams because I don't know, you have three guards that are feasibly gonna be top seven picks in the NBA draft. So I am looking forward to seeing how, how those guys all show up. But let's let's get into next week already then. You you, you kinda started it by bringing up that UCLA Kentucky matchup. What other games are you really looking forward to next weekend, Joe? I guess this this week, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Um, listen, man, Wisconsin Florida is not going to be a great game to watch. Neither is Baylor South Carolina because I think they're going to be kind of like slugfesty. Uh, yeah. And then with Kansas Purdue, I don't know what we're going to get. Oregon Michigan, I think it's that's a situation where the game is going to end up being close. I don't know how pretty it's going to be. I think UCLA Kentucky is obviously the best game, and I think Arizona is just going to out everything Xavier. Uh, I'm also interested in how West Virginia does with Gonzaga. They do that that high tempo, heavy pressure press that they're known for. Yep. They're also like, I don't know why people are just realizing this now. All season long, they've been really good on offense, and all season long, they've been really efficient at scoring the basketball or, or just scoring, not scoring the basketball. Blah. And um, Gonzaga's the real deal. This is the most balanced Gonzaga team Mark Few's ever had. So I'm really interested to see that game. Like super, super interested to see how Gonzaga does with the press. 
how they do with the high pressure stuff, what adjustments Mark Few and Bob Huggins makes on the fly. Um, because I do feel like Gonzaga's end up be, end up being forced into being a three point shooting team, and I don't know if that's going to work out for them. North Carolina Butler, um, man, I, I feel like that's actually a mismatch. I think North Carolina smokes them. I think they should. But that's all the games. What do you think? <laughs> Those are all the games. I mean, yeah, I'm with you, too, in that UCLA-Kentucky is obviously the game to look forward to here. Uh, I look forward to the Sean Miller Bowl, even though that, that should be an Arizona win by a lot. Uh, although Xavier, again, you know, you got to be really impressed with the way they showed up yesterday and kind of, or was it Saturday night, manhandled Florida State. That, that was a game I really just was not expecting. Uh, I'm excited for the Oregon-Michigan game. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Oregon, Oregon, man. I thought Oregon was down against Rhode Island. I did not think they were going to win that game. Uh, shout out to Rhode Island. They, they just played their hearts out last night. But uh, that, that's probably the, the other game I'm really looking forward to the most is the Oregon-Michigan game. I, I wish I was more interested in Florida because, again, as I was mentioning earlier, Wisconsin's kind of one of these teams I'm, I'm really excited to watch moving forward. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. The... I don't want to say these games don't excite me. I, I caught a little bit of heat on Twitter on Saturday because I was a little disappointed in the, the breakdown of the games this weekend, how pretty much every big-name team was playing Friday and Sunday. It kind of left Saturday without having the names. And listen, I know I know March Madness isn't about the names. It's about the, the product and about the excitement and you know single elimination. It doesn't matter who's playing. It's all exciting. But we had, we had Duke, we had Kansas, we had North Carolina, we had UCLA, and we had Kentucky all playing yesterday. So Saturday, I don't want to say it felt boring. It wasn't boring. The games were fun to watch, but it just, it didn't have, you know, the, the, oh, wow, every game I'm t- tuning into is a, a big program against another big program, the way Sunday felt. And, you know, we had some big teams get knocked out. So I, I don't want to say I'm less excited, but these matchups aren't really, you know, like that savory for me for the most part. And to be fair to like, it's more so you than me because I'm paid to cover Alicog basketball, but like, most people weren't paying attention to the three through five teams in the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big Twelve. Right. So now and we're heavy. We yeah, that's where we're we're heavy with that. You lose Duke, you lose Villanova, um, and like let's be honest, like I like but like Chris Holtman's a great coach, but like Butler's overachieving with that roster. They're actually not that good. Well, that's kind of how it feels with a lot of these teams that are left. Is it feels like a lot of them are, are overachieving, but West Virginia is the real deal, though. Like I don't like. It, it bothers me that people are like, oh, like, because they just think of Bob Huggins and that press defense, and that's still there, and that's very real. But, like, they've been so good offensively this year. Like, so, so good. Yeah. Like, th- like if they, if Bob, Bob Huggins' name wasn't attached to this, people would be like, they're the most balanced team in the country. Right. Now, I think North Carolina is actually the most balanced team in the country, but, like, West Virginia is right there. Sure, sure. And, I mean, in, in fairness to, you know, talking about these teams and who's flourishing and who's not, I mean, you, you look around – Wisconsin was, you know, very highly regarded early in the season. Uh, Oregon was also a, t- a top five team for a while. Michigan's the hottest team in the country, I suppose. Baylor had their stretch where they were, you know, a top five to ten team. So it's not like all these teams are teams that were just, you know, middle of the pack teams in their conferences. These are teams that have had, you know, ebbs and flows or whatever you would say. Uh, so I, I, I do think it's exciting just looking at the matchups. Really, I, I suppose I'm most excited right now for Oregon, Michigan. And, of course, UCLA-Kentucky. No, I'm with you. I, I'm also sneaking excited for Gonzaga-West Virginia. Yeah, I, I think that'll be a fun game, too. And I, I'm kind of worried for Gonzaga, to be completely honest. So do I. I think they're going to force them to be a three-point shooting team, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I don't even know if they're going to be able to get the ball off the court. And Maybe I'm overreacting, but... We... I, uh... Go ahead. 
No, go ahead. We overreact. <laughs> I say we over we overreact. We will also see. I mean, I just I am always wrong on what I'm expecting in these games. It never turns out how I'm expecting it to turn out. So maybe Gonzaga gets out there and beats him by twenty. Yeah, I, I hope so. I don't want to hear the 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 one seed Gonzaga Mark Few follower away narratives. Yeah, uh, I had one other thing in regards to the tournament on our on our rundown. We kind of touched on it a little bit before. Are you shocked at all by the Big Ten having three teams in the Sweet Sixteen? Kind of, sort of. Like, here's the deal, right? It's a single-game elimination tournament. So, like, stuff that's not going to normally happen is going to happen. Um, But, yeah, I'm shocked. Like, Michigan, if you asked me three weeks ago, like, I'd laugh at you. Purdue's been a pretty steady team all year. And then Wisconsin was limping to the finish line. So, yeah, it, it is surprising. I don't think this is indicative of the Big Ten being better than we thought. I think the Big Ten was as bad as we all realized during the regular season. Just Michigan and Wisconsin got hot at the right time, and uh, Purdue's always been good. So, yeah, it's surprising. It's as surprising as the ACC falling off a cliff. Right. I was going to say, I don't like to do this thing where we look at, you know, the tournament and where the tournament lies (laughs) and say, this must be the best conference because they have X amount of teams here. I mean, the ACC was ridiculous this year. Just because they have one team left in the tournament doesn't mean it was a bad conference. And there's three Pac-12 teams left. So is the Pac-12 the great? And the SEC, does anybody think the SEC is a good league? Do you know what I mean? So, like, are we going to do this, like, pick and choose which conference is now good? Because nobody's saying the SEC is a good conference. Right. Well, in fairness to the Pac-12, I mean, I had three Pac-12 teams in my Final Four so just because I... Just because I did think that they were, you know, a, a leg above the rest or whatever. Well, the I, Oregon, I, Arizona, and UCLA have been very good all season long. Correct. And the Big Ten teams, um, not Purdue. Purdue's been pretty good all season long, but Wisconsin, Michigan weren't. And then you have uh, from the SEC, South Carolina, uh, South Carolina, I'm blanking, uh, Kentucky. So no, like nobody actually thinks that's a good league. <laughs> like, do Absolutely. you think? Like, does anybody think the SEC is a good league? Because I don't think they they do. I don't think anybody does. Anybody ever? <laughs> anybody ever? Nope. All right, Joe. I think uh, I think it's time to do some conspiracy theories. Seal, hit the music. The Mandela Effect. Flat Earth truthers. Are we alone in the universe? The Relatively Speaking Podcast presents Jared Vincent Joseph Nerdon. Conspiracy theories. It's only a conspiracy until it becomes reality. All right, this conspiracy theory is really a, a low class, very uh, transparent <laughs> way to discuss the coaching carousel. But we're going to start with the conspiracy theory that I like your transparency there, Joe. No, totally. I just want to play Seals music. Um, Jim Beheim got extended on Sunday. He's going to coach longer than the two thousand this season or next season. He's going to coach. My conspiracy theory is basically he's going to coach doing he's going to die doing what he loves, coaching on the sideline at Syracuse while picking his nose. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a legitimate theory. I don't even know if it's a conspiracy theory. I think it might just be one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's a fact. This guy, this guy's gonna gonna die on on the bench, and this is what he's going to want to do. And I kind of feel pretty morose using the word death and die with with young Jim Beheim and coaching. Oh, no, uh, we're not rooting for him to die, but it's, <laughs> I think it's very clear, like, he knows he'd be very unhappy in retirement. Right, the and, point is less about his death and more he's going to be doing this forever. Basically, yeah. I mean, Mike Mike Hopkins wouldn't have took him, taken another job across. He I know tapped it, out. Yeah, he couldn't he, wait anymore. He's just like, I need to start coaching. 
I've been told I used to be the coach for about five years now. Jim Beheim is basically the college basketball equivalent of Brett Favre in the NFL. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and we'll see if Mike Hopkins is Aaron Rodgers or not. Uh, he he does get to go to a good good program, and I think he'll do really good things in Washington. But yeah, it's a little surprising to me. And I would have felt like Beheim would want to get going a little bit sooner because it, it feels like. I mean, I don't know if you could ever say he seems to enjoy his job, but I just feel like the Syracuse job's been a little rocky for him lately. It's been a lot of stress, and uh, here we are. He is never leaving. He is, in fact, <laughs> staying longer. Well, it's weird because, like, when they moved to the ACC, you thought, okay, he's just going to help with the transition. And because the ACC became, like, a super powerful league when conference realignment happened, just ridiculous. And I was like, oh, okay, he's just going to help the transition so Mike Hopkins doesn't have to come in and get smoked, like, in the beginning. And now he's just like, nope, I'm just not retiring ever. Yeah, it's it's pretty surprising to me. Uh, but, I mean, hey, th- this is what he does. With that said, Joe, what do you think of Mike Hopkins going to Washington? Um, the fit's weird. I know he's from uh, California, which is on the West Coast. But he doesn't really have a co- he doesn't have a connection anywhere but Syracuse. He played at Syracuse. He became an assistant coach at Syracuse. He's been there since 1989. Started as a player all the way up until Sunday as a coach. Um the Pac-12 is a tougher league than people realize. There's a lot of good coaches there. He's going to have an uphill climb. Um, but I think Lorenzo Lamar, if anything, proved you could recruit talent there. And I, Mike Hopkins, who I don't know if I love the fit, and I don't even know how good of a coach he is, but he's very well regarded in the coaching circles. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, though I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, and that, that's a good point about Washington being able to land talent. So, I mean, there, there is reason to believe that. You know, you, you get a good coach there, and he'd still be able to, to attract high-level players. I mean, they just had Marco Fultz this year. They, they've had guys o- over the years. It's not like this is a program that doesn't get guys. I know you've been overly critical, or overly makes it sound like it's unfair, but you've been critical of Lorenzo Romar not being able to build a winner there despite getting talented players. Uh, hopefully Mike Hopkins will be able to do a little bit better with that. 100%. I just don't, I don't see it. But it doesn't mean it's not going to work. I, I right. just don't. I just don't see it. There's, there's actually, there's like no connection there. Like people right. say, he's from California. He's been in Syracuse for thirty years. Trying to make sense of that, Joe. Make sense of Brad Underwood to Illinois for me because I've been hearing great things about about Brad Underwood all weekend long. Uh, obviously, this Illinois job is a is a relatively coveted job, and uh, they get their guy. I don't know much about Underwood, but. Everybody seems to love this hire. Why, why do people love it, Joe? I love it. Well, first, poor, not even poor, the Oklahoma State Athletic Director, this is all set up by the Travis Ford extension from a couple years ago, and they gave him a 10-year extension when yeah. they were afraid Kentucky was going to hire him. And they gave, Underwood was only on like a million-dollar-a-year contract. They said, hey, after the first year, we'll revisit, and we'll give you a raise, like depending on how well you did. He did very well in year one there. And then they never engaged in serious talks. Josh Whitman, the athletic director of Illinois, who I've fallen in love with, I he he's great. He's when they did the John Grossi firing. I know he talked about this on Friday. He's like, this isn't a celebration day. A man just lost his job. So he's like my favorite person ever. Uh, Underwood wasn't linked to the Illinois job at all. I think of names available that they can re- like. They weren't getting Archie Miller. They weren't getting Greg Marshall. They weren't getting any of those super big name coaches. Brad Underwood is a good coach. Could recruit. He's only been head coach for four years. All four years he's been head coach. He's taken the seasons to the NCAA tournament. The rebuild job he did in year one at Oklahoma State, a team that only won 12 games the year before, I think was pretty tremendous. So if I'm Illinois, I'm Illinois. I'm super pumped. Um, 
He's going to be able to recruit. He's a very good in-game coach. His style of coaching is very pleasing entertainment-wise. So, yeah, I think you're, you're really excited. I, I don't think he's going to be able to build it up as quickly as he was building up Oklahoma State because the Big Ten is, even though I just said before, there's still not a good conference. It's still a tough conference to win in. But, yeah, this is uh, probably about the best hire they could have made, like realistically made. I know people were like Archie Miller, Greg Marshall, blah, 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 blah. You weren't getting those guys, so this is really good hire. So do you feel bad at all for the Oklahoma State program that they're back looking for a new coach already? No, because if the athletic director, and I understand why he was hesitant because of the whole Ford situation, but that that's their own doing. If you're only going to pay a guy, he was the lowest paid coach in the Big 12. And if you promise him at the end of the season, towards the end of the season, we're going to do a contract restructuring talk and never engage in them, that's that's a you problem. That's your fault for not going, hey, look what he did in one season. He's clearly a very good coach. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I feel bad for the fan base, but what are you going to do? Doug Gottlieb to Oklahoma State. Oh, my God. I don't that, believe that, by the way, and I think it's silly people say that stuff. I think uh, if anybody listens to our podcast for the first time ever today, that might turn into some breaking news. So I'm gonna No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. People and on Twitter say that. You're breaking news on our podcast. That's exciting. Um, more coaching stuff. Obviously, there is a... There is a void in Indiana with the firing for Tom Crean. So, Joe, let, let's two-part this. One, who do you think the leading candidate is in Indiana? I know a lot of a lot of signs are pointing at Steve Alford. Uh, and two, what's next for Tom Green here? Tom Crean. Let's, Tom start with, Green. let's start with Tom Crean first because I think he's the easier to dissect. I think, I think what he should do is go work on TV for a year, let a fan base yearn for him, because right now people will be like, oh no, we hired Tom Cream. Even though he's a very good coach, probably one of the ten best in the country. Very few guys can recruit as well nationalism nationally as him, not nationalism. <laughs> and uh, but I think if he sits out a year, a fan base will yearn for him. He'll be able to better pick what spot he wants to go to. Um, but I'm sure there, there's going to be schools interested in him. I, feel, I still think he's a power five or power six really in college basketball head coach. Sit out the year, let a fan base yearn for you. For Indiana. It's like a three-person race, I guess you'd want to consider. It's Alford. Already the rumors that they'll pay a bazillion dollars for him because he's from Indiana. He played at Indiana. He's an Indiana guy. Um, let's be clear with Alford. He comes with serious baggage. Uh, the Pierre Pierre situation, I don't know why that's not talked about more. Um, he's basically Bob Knight 2.0, and I don't mean that in the nicest of ways, though he's done very well at UCLA. I don't think he's actually the best coach to take a land. But I get it, Indiana guy, he's done well with UCLA, a similar type of program with very high expectations. Um, then there's Greg Marshall. Uh, like I said before, Wichita State could actually outbid Indiana if 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 the situation calls for it. He also, there's, other, there's issues with Greg Marshall. He's very bad with the media, very, very bad. Um, so he'd want to be a tyrant, and the Indiana media would kind of have to eat it. And I don't know how well that would sit. Um, there's also issues. I don't know how to delicately put this. Um, I would maybe just Google Greg Marshall's wife and let's see that she's been issues at games with drinking. So um, I think that would be an issue in Indiana as well. Um, but he's a very good coach. And then there's Archie Miller, who I guess would be the third candidate in here. And he's also a realistic hire because it's the Indiana job. Um, I think Archie Miller is probably actually the best fit given the fact that he doesn't come with as much baggage as the other other two guys. 
Do you think Archie Miller is ready to make a jump like that? And granted, I, I do think sometimes, you know, the prestige of the Indiana job is a little overplayed here. Uh, but do you think he's ready to make that jump? Or do you think he would kind of need to coach at a larger program than Dayton, but a smaller program than Indiana first before being able to take over and be successful? Well, it's weird because this applies to uh, Archie and Greg Marshall. Like, well, I think they- Greg Marshall's kind of had enough success at Wichita State recently where he's a little better or more suited to kind of take a bigger job. You, well, you don't- Greg, Greg Marshall comes, he's horrible at the media. And I also think Greg Marshall's a king. He's royalty at Wichita State. Like, he's sure. he Mark Few at Wichita State if he wants to be. And Wichita State, could, they, they, they have a brand new arena. They, they could continue to grow as a program. And he doesn't really, he doesn't have to move to make more money. They could get him the money if they, they wanted to or if he wanted it from them. Um, the Archie Miller, but it applies to both of them. If they wanted a bigger job, they could have gotten last year, the year before, the year before that. They're both clearly, if, if they want a bigger job, they're both clearly waiting for something to open that they want. It's whether or not the Indiana job is that. But I think you made a good point. Does Archie Miller want to coach Indiana with the high expectations? And you not only do you have to be great, you have to be great on a yearly basis, and you have to live in the shadow of Bob Knight, and you have to get those thing pieces written about you and all that other things. Or does he want to wait for another job to open up at a power five or six school where they'll give him four years to build a, build a program? Um, so I don't I, I don't I think he's actually the best fit because he comes with the least baggage. But I don't know I don't know what his priorities are. What his um, because it's very like Steve Alford to Indiana makes total sense because he's from there. Um, I, it's really complicated. I don't want to. I don't want to keep. Well, you can only right. speculate so much, <laughs> right? Exactly, and I also don't want to like continue to bury the baggage of because Greg Marshall's baggage isn't his fault, really. And well, outside of being very bad with the media, and the Steve Alford baggage is delicate to touch on, and nobody wants to discuss it. So I don't know how much I could keep hammering home that I think Indiana is basically begging for a new Greg Mar- or a new Bobby Knight, and we all know how that worked out. I mean. Some would say great, some would say not great. I okay, even Dan Dockage said it on on the radio the other day that like in like around nineteen ninety four, ninety three, Bob Knight stopped trying recruiting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, that that was about the end of it for him. But again, you know, you can't. I don't know. I'm not going to debate. The Bob Knight era is also romanticized. They didn't make the Final Four every year. Do you know what I mean? Like they weren't good every year. Like this whole idea that Indiana was super dominant for thirty years was Bob Knight is a fallacy. It's just been romanticized over the years. Right. I mean, they won with Isaiah Thomas. Aside from that, I mean, they, they weren't like... But the I, what, they went to four, I believe, four Final Fours during the Bobby Knight era that ran 30-some years, which is really good. Like, it is really good. That's a great ratio. But they like you if you talk to somebody from Indiana, you swear to God, they made it every year. Right. Yep. Yeah, he, he is romanticized. And I mean, listen, they, they just they haven't quite had that level of success or anything near it since he's left the program. So <laughs> That's not true. Can't... Tom Crean, didn't have, he had a couple up years. Like, the idea that they've been down for the last 15 years is ridiculous. Well, there's, I mean, I don't know why we're treating this as black and white. There's a difference, you know, if you don't need to be up or down, they've kind of been in the middle for a lot of it, too. They only had, you know, one team that really made any kind of run, really. It's not like they've, they've been... You know, they've been competitive. They weren't as bad as they were, you know, the 10 years before Tom Creighton got there. That That's certainly true, but I, I don't know. I don't know, Joe. I don't know that Indiana's this elite program anymore, and some of the names that they're looking at kind of lead you to believe that as well. I'm not too, big on, that, man. not too big on any of these guys. I mean, I think Greg Marshall would be the best hire they could make, 
But again, I, I'm with you in a, you know, does any of this make sense? They should have gave Tom Crean another year. Honestly, that's what probably should have happened. I don't disagree. Joe, do you have any other coaching stuff you want to talk about? Um, Cal, keep an eye on Randy Bennett. If Randy Bennett wants out, I know Cal's athletic department does have a ton of money to offer. But if Randy Bennett's been at St. Mary's for 16 years, he's been a very, very good coach. The Cal fit works. He has that pipeline to Australia. Just keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that. That's almost like you're breaking news. All right, Joe, let's let's do some absurd questions. Absurd questions. All right. I'm gonna Sounds go like first. the guy in that segment music was having an orgasm. It did a little bit, especially down the end there. I mean I don't I don't know what that sounds like, but I digress. Let's do some absurd questions. But before I do absurd questions, I just wanted to mention we have some breaking news on Twitter. Do we? David Arquette is tweeting about Donald Trump. Oh. That's it. That's all I wanted to talk about. I nice. didn't even know David David Arquette, one-time WCW heavyweight champion of the world. This is true. He he absolutely was. And we're not just talking, like, ready to rumble. We're talking, like, Legit. Real, real WCW champion. Who did he beat and who did he lose to? I believe he like, beat Diamond Dallas Page, correct? I think so, too. It was a one-night thing, right? Yeah, like, then he, he, like, lost that. He lost, he won at a pay-per-view and lost the last night on that, the next night on Nitro, I believe. Yeah, I think, I think that's how that happened. <laughs> yeah, not cool. only did we date ourselves, we date ourselves with something that so nobody cares about. I mean, yeah, no one cares about it, but I think it's worth pointing out some of these things, how bad WCW was, because that was like their stretch where it was like, yeah, we're slowly dying. It's almost <laughs> over. But yeah, that, we kind gotta, of, that kind of marked like they were dying then and that like marked like we're going to fall off a cliff. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they had a pay-per-view where they, they had like a mystery man who was going to fight in like their main event. I almost feel like this was like when they did the, the Hell in a Cell on a Cell or something like that. <laughs> and they had like something crazy. And it was just like this mystery man this whole time. Who's the mystery man going to be? And this was like just after the WWF did like the higher power mystery man thing, which was like Vince McMahon. It was terrible. Uh, and they did their own mystery man. And everybody was like, who's this going to be? Who's it going to be? It's got to be somebody cool. I feel like Sting was hurt at the time. So there was thought it could be Sting. And uh, it turned out to be Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner was the mystery man. Don't And don't forget, WCW also had the No Limit Soldiers, a masterpiece stable of wrestlers. They, they absolutely had that. Back back to the Mystery Man thing. My buddies and I, I just can't forget this. We we were so, like, we weren't into WCW even. We would just watch it for, like, the hour before Raw would come on because, like, we needed something to do. We thought it was going to be Glacier. I don't know if you remember Glacier. I remember. You thought Glacier was going to be the Mystery Man? Because the guy, like, they had him covered in, like, a black, like, sheet or something. Like, you couldn't even see him. And he was doing, like, the Glacier taunt from WCW Revenge. So we were like, oh, maybe it's Glacier. <laughs> Glacier, it was, a, it's such a Mortal Kombat ripoff. They had, like, five characters with Mortal Kombat ripoffs. Him, the guy in the green, I can forget his name. He's dead in real life. Um, <laughs> well, there was Chris Canyon that played the guy in the green. Yeah, Canyon, Canyon. Uh, uh, I believe he committed suicide, unfortunately. Um, I hope he's actually, I don't hope he's dead, but I hope I just didn't kill him and he's not actually dead. Are you talking about Canyon? Yeah. I think Canyon's alive. Let's, it, I'll, I'll Google it. The Google Canyon. machine. Ooh, better than Canyon. Nobody. No, Canyon's yeah, he died Canyon's seven years dead. ago. Canyon's dead. Oh, wow. He was from Sunnyside. That's pretty close to me. Oh, is, 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 he had a book. Yeah, who better than Canyon? Obviously yeah. would have to be. He was a really good wrestler. He was a really good wrestler. He was really good in the video games as well. Wow, R.I.P. All right, let's let's do a let's do absurd questions. Absurd questions. Our new segment, WCW Ramble. <laughs> right, our, we just spent six minutes on WCW. 
kind of have to when you see David Arquette tweeting about Donald Trump. Uh, all right, Joe, my question for you today. If anything besides money could come down from the sky when it snows, what would you want it to be? Oh, man. Well, I have to think about, like, it can't be a person because they'd fall and die. Right. Well, uh, I mean, it, it also has to be something that, like, you know, can fall in multiple places. So it can't be, like, one thing. It can't be, like, oh, it, it snowed today and one car came down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's got to be something that you would have access to and other people would have access wow, to. Wow. That caveat you taking money out of the deal is really, really hurting. Oh, yeah, because of course it would be money. And then it, my question would be done in, like, six seconds and it wouldn't be fun. Um... Money is the answer to every single question. That that could be if you could make something this, what would it be? Like, oh, I take money. If something could rain down, uh, cocaine. <laughs> but but would you? Because I feel like you know it would get dirty and they would you know be killing yourself. Hey, you put a couple like, buckets outside and you just let it fill up with clean cocaine. And I and I think it would oversaturate the world with cocaine. And then maybe that would like you know. Indirectly, directly, I don't think ruin the drug better. cartels. That's the goal here. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I was going to take drugs off of this list too because drugs is almost like money to extents if you feel like hustling about it. Um, How about coffee? Yeah. Coffee grounds. And but then you would have to grind your own coffee, right? All right, then. Well, ground you, you can. Coffee. You're allowed to answer however you want, Joe. I'm not. I'm not trying to tell you what you can. Well, here's the thing: like, I don't do coke anymore, and. Uh, I cool never, guy, Joe. Cool I was never, guy. I was never a big weed. I was never big on marijuana. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I drink a lot of coffee. It saved me a lot of money. So I guess coffee. But here's the other thing. So like everybody would have access to this. So if you would want it to be cocaine, just know like your children could be playing outside at school, and all of a sudden it's snowing, but really it's cocaining, and now all the kids at school are doing coke. But to and- be fair, it'd be a lot easier get them moving in the morning because they'd be all <laughs> just popped up on some cocaine <laughs> like i love when my kids do drugs they get going quickly well, what's they, your answer and they never eat it's amazing they just smoke a lot of cigarettes uh i don't know i didn't really have an answer i kind of wanted to see what you were going to say my answer is obviously money because that should be the answer well you here, took but, it off uh, the board i did i did i did uh i don't know maybe like nice clothes it'd be cool if like nice clothes could come down for free really it comes down to something that like i don't want to pay for so that, that's kind of how I have to answer this. Um, and I really don't usually pay for clothing. Not to say I steal it. I just wear old clothes a bunch. Uh, yeah, I don't know, though. Like, if, it, if it snowed clothing, it wouldn't necessarily be my size. Like, imagine it, it just snowed, like, quadruple XL T-shirts all the time and stuff. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, what's that store? Big and Tall is, is snowing constantly. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe Wendy's Spicy Chicken Sandwiches. That'd Ooh. be pretty okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Like, it, like favorite it, it, foods? Though. Like chicken wing yeah. pizza falling from the sky? Yeah, 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 yeah. Pizza, something like that. Because here's the thing, too, about snow. is like, I know I was saying, like, the drugs would get contaminated. But, like, it'd be accumulation. So, like, it'd be like, oh, yeah. Pizza on top of pizza. Right, it snowed, you know, 13 inches of pizza. So, like, great, I'll eat that middle layer. That's going to be fine, you know? Oh, that's such a good question. I love it. Thanks, Joe. All right, what do you got today? All right. Please don't make it something about me needing to leave my wife. I really Well, don't it might care. be, but this is up to you. So, uh, the other, I don't know, like last week or a week before, I was watching that Steve Carell movie, When the World's Ending, a friend to have at the end of the world or whatever. Right, I didn't see that movie, but I am familiar with what you're saying. All right, so like the premise is everybody finds out in three weeks the world's going to end because the asteroid or whatever is coming to the Earth. So pretend you're done recording the podcast, you put on the news before you leave for work, and the news breaks three weeks 
we're all going to die. The an asteroid's coming to hit the Earth. What would you do in the last three weeks? Would you quit? You wouldn't show up to work, I'm assuming. But what would you do in the last three weeks? That's interesting. I mean, I might want to go to work so I could, like, you know, see some people who I like and care about. But I, I might be the only person there, so that might be purpose defeating. You're right. I probably wouldn't go to work. Um, Steve Carell in the movie went to work for two days because he didn't know what to do the first two days. Because yeah, his I wife mean, left him immediately as soon as they found out. And then he really didn't know what to do. Wow. Interesting. How is that movie? Is it good? Is it it's, it's not great. It's solid. The premise is really good because it shows, like, you know, like his wife was uh, in love with another person that whole time. And, like, when she realized that time was running out, she went for him. And then he was yearning for another woman himself, and it made him go for her. And it's like that whole, like, if last day on Earth, what would you actually do type of thing. Right, 24 hours to live. Yeah, so, like, I like that premise of the movie, but it's not, like, super well executed because they're trying to drop so much comedy into what was basically a drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Steve Carell doesn't really make funny movies either outside of, like, 40-Year-Old Virgin. No, like, like, but like, the, like Dan in real life and another movie he's done, like, there's some really good balance in those drama comedies he does, but there wasn't in this movie. Interesting. Uh, to the question, I, I don't know, man. That, that's really difficult. Like, I think I just want to see people who I care about. I think that'd be, like, the top priority to me. I mean, like, I'm not, like, a badass. Like, I don't need to, like, steal a car or, like, kill somebody. Like, I think my objective would be to not get killed because I would imagine it'd be pretty crazy out here. Like, I think that's overplayed. Like, I think if everybody knew that there's no getting out of it, there's no lifeboats, there's no way to save yourself, like, we're all going to die in three weeks. I think even the bad people, like people that are maybe in a situation that they've murdered, aren't going to be focusing as much time on murdering. Like, yeah, there's still going to be people that are going to do bad things and attempt to rape, but I don't think it's going to be, like, flooding the streets like people think it is. I don't know, man. It might be anarchy. Like, it might just be a lot of looting and a lot of rioting and a lot of, like, you know, assault and stuff like that. I I don't know. So, yeah, safety is going to be big here. Maybe maybe you, like, steal a tank or something, but I feel like everybody... It's like turning the rules off of Grand Theft Auto. You know what I mean? Like, just playing, like, wild on, on Grand Theft Auto and seeing what happens. I wouldn't... I oh, Gosh, what, what would you do? So much cocaine. Um... <laughs> I don't know, man. I have kids, so I'd probably just spend the last three... Like, I really like them. Like, I think most parents like their kids, so I think... But what if they, what if they wouldn't want to hang out with you? What if they're like, nah, they, these are my last three weeks. I'm well, I think go. I would try to shield them from the idea that they're going to die. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think... I'd put them in a situation where they would know. And, uh... Kids talk, though. Kids talk. Well, kids they're not going to go to school or anything. Right. So... True. I'd probably just stay home with my family and try to spend as much time with them as possible. Maybe mend a couple broken relationships that, you know, you're awesome of you. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean like it's easy for, you know, like I don't want to get too deep with it, but everybody like you could hold a grudge now because you think you have so much time left. And then there's always that, like, it's pretty popular in movie, a movie trope that somebody passes away or you pat, like you haven't been able to mend a broken bridge or whatever before, time is up if you knew time was coming up i think it's probably a good time to mend those broken bridges so like nobody that you care about or cares about you you're dying with that regret and that remorse and that guilt wow that is pretty deep of you joe i mean i feel like if it's the type of thing where like you're really upset about and it upsets you constantly like you should probably fix that anyway without needing three weeks before you die or whatever Um, i'm pretty good at holding grudges though that's why I uh, I would probably have to wait till the end of the world to do it. I believe it. I believe it. Um, I don't know, man. You really got me thinking. Like, I, 
it's tough because you only have so much time. So you're like, maybe I want to go to a place and see something I haven't seen before. Or maybe I want to go on like a tour. I mean, well, here's, well, here's the thing. Like, I wouldn't want to waste time traveling. Like right. I understand the idea like, oh, I never saw the Grand Canyon. Do you know what I mean? Like I really want it. Like if that's like on your buck, I get it. But like the travel that's taking away time from doing actual things. Do you know what I mean? But also traveling, thinking of traveling and thinking of going places to do things. One, there's probably not going to be airlines anymore. People are probably not going to be like, yeah, I'm going to waste my time working as a pilot so I can fly you where you want to go. Like that's probably not a thing. And you're going to want to go to like, I don't know, say I want to go to California to go to In-N-Out Burger. People aren't going to be working at In-N-Out Burger anymore. Like your last three weeks are probably going to be you scrounging for food to cook for yourself. So like you're not going to be able to go out to a nice dinner or anything like that. It kind of takes a lot off the table when you really think about, you know, your limitations here. Well, yeah, but I think it also helps you focus on what's important, which is family and friends, loved ones. Like, right now, like, the here we go again, but, like, the idea that, like, to have a good time, you have to go to TJ Fridays is actually kind of funny. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because TJ Fridays. Well, whatever, like, whatever, know, fam- yeah. whatever, whatever nice restaurant, like, an actual nice restaurant that, like, nobody would know the name of because it's local. Um, but like you could do and accomplish all those things at home with your family. Oh, look at that, man. Look at that. You, well, this is what happens when you get old and you have kids. You get soft real quick and, uh, yeah, a whole lot of that. Oh. Yeah, basically 20, 22 year old me laughs at me every day. Yeah, probably 22 year old. You came out when you said all of the cocaine. I think that was, <laughs> that was probably the answer for that. Well, I would still find a way to weasel in some cocaine. <laughs> like the kids got to sleep still. I don't. The kid. <laughs> <laughs> Just do absurd, tons of cocaine. Absurd questions. Joe and Jared talk about cocaine. Um, <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's, should well, put that in the headline of the. Yeah, the, the make, make that our uh, our picture that shows up on Twitter when we just Tony Montana sitting there <laughs> with the mono um, cocaine. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I I'm with you in that. I really just want to get quality time in with the people I care about. But it's like it's so depressing. How would you just not like sit there crying with people constantly? Well, I, I imagine the first day or two, like that's what you'd be. You'd be in shock and you'd be just unable to deal and cope. I don't want to say like you would make it like a regular occurrence to your life, like something that you just live with for the last couple of weeks. But you would have to move on. Like you'd have to just accept. You'd have you'd have no choice. You'd have to accept it or just wallow in self pity for three weeks till the asteroid hit the earth. I'd probably go adopt, like, six cats, maybe ten. I can see you aimlessly walking around with a shopping cart full of cats. <laughs> they wouldn't stay in it, but I'd try. <laughs> it would be, I have a, a great visual in my head. It's fantastic. Somebody I Photoshop know. Jared with the shopping cart and a bunch of cats. It's kind of zombie land-esque, too, where it's just like, there's. I'm out here purposeless. Well, that's, that's, a, that's the other thing. Without, without having a purpose or a direction or a goal, somebody, I, I read this thing recently where... Like, you know, like at any point, anybody could die. So everything you've been building towards your whole life and working for and all the emotions and feelings you ever had could stop in a second. Yeah. And none of it actually matters. Right. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're, yeah, we're such a small blip in the grand scheme of things. And it doesn't even have, like, whatever your religious connotations are, if there's a God or if there's a heaven. But, like, for your purpose on this earth, it's so meaningless. So, like, when you, when you put that into this situation where you're like, hey, we're all going to die... Maybe you're right. Maybe it does turn off everybody's moral filter and the land does become just ravaged with rape and murder and all the atrocities. Scary stuff. Scary stuff to think about. Hopefully we won't experience. And all the cocaine. 
all of it. All right, I think that's our our cue to uh, to wrap things <laughs> to up. To do cocaine. To to do that and never sleep again. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the tournament as much as we did this weekend. But more excitement comes back Thursday, even though we weren't that excited about a lot of these games. Again, thank you for listening. I'm your co-host, Jared, but you already knew that. And you can follow me on Twitter at jmintzhoops. Joe, tell the good people where they can find you. The Mean Streets of Twitter at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E, and at FanRexports.com. All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hotcakes. Bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking. No one's clicking. Their pages are filling up their pockets. But not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow And I find it kind of funny I find it kind of sad The internet in which I'm worthless Is the best I've ever had I find it hard to tell you I find it too hot to take When people blog in circles It's a very, very Mad world